Hello, and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. Today on the podcast, we are going to discuss something that is very applicable to our current situation. So we are currently, uh, it's been suggested to us by leaders to uh, socially distance ourselves from others, Mm -hmm. uh, work from home if possible, remain in uh, some level of isolation uh, so as to uh, slow down the spread of the coronavirus. So as such, uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about today, the topic today is going to be incredible. I think it's going to be super helpful, and it comes directly from the Scripture, which is always a win. Yeah, We can make stuff up all day, but it never trumps what the Bible teaches us. It's always good to hear a word from it's, God's Word. It's always good to hear what God has to say on anything. So the topic today is how disruptions are divine opportunities, how disruptions are divine opportunities. And as soon as I hear that title, I think to myself, if I'm a negative thinking person, which sometimes I am, um, I think to myself, okay, we're going to try to make something good out of this bad situation. That we're, How are you going to spin this situation into being good? Because currently just where we're at in the scenario is we've just been told that we've got an additional 30 days. Yes. We've been here for two weeks mm. and now we're being told another 30 days of, of, uh, of social distancing. So for me, you know, as an introvert, uh, doesn't bother me much, but I can tell how it is affecting people who just simply cannot stay within the confines of their home or, uh, people who just want to get out and hang and do things with other people. They are struggling greatly. My, my daughter is extremely extroverted and Mm -hmm. no time with friends is just doing a major number on her. So, Without further ado, let's look at what the book of Luke has to tell us about how a disruption can be a divine opportunity. Yeah, well, as we read this parable, which is very familiar to us, um, the parable of the Good Samaritan, um, we realize that there are problems in life, disruptions that happen in life that God allows for us to show compassion, uh, to extend grace, and really to, to, to take advantage of and capitalize on and make the most of. Now, there are two types of people listening. There are those who are going to see disruptions in life, and they're going to be so self-absorbed they miss them. And there are others in life who are going to be looking for God in every part of life, right? And that's right. Re- really what we want to do as Christians. We, we, we realize this, and I may have said this before, but it's probably worth repeating again. The Christian life is an adventure, right? Like every day you wake up before your fit feet hit or your fit before your feet <laughs> hit the ground. Right. Uh, you're going to do two things. You're you're going to have a funeral and a coronation. You're going to mm-hmm. die to self. The funeral's you. <laughs> if anyone comes after me, they must deny themselves, pick up their cross, and follow me. So that's a daily denial, daily funeral. And then secondly, there's going to be a coronation. You're going to coronate Christ and acknowledge him as Lord of your life. So what that means is every day as a Christian, as a disciple, is an adventure where you are looking for God, working in your life, working in people's lives. So if that's the case, and we know this, 
uh, a few things we have to believe in order for this to happen. Number one is we realize this, nothing catches God by surprise. Hmm. I think about that. Nothing so you're saying catches... God was not surprised by coronavirus. No, not at all. No, he is not, not surprised by another 30 days of social distancing. No, I mean, we're surprised. And see, that's what's so hard for us is that we think we're actually in control of our life. <laughs> and, and we're really not. Okay. Right, right. That's the thing. We, we control our, our little homes and our, our jobs and our families and, and, you know, the things we're over. But the reality is we really don't have control of anything. I mean, we're dependent upon the Lord. And what this is showing us is that God's still in control and nothing catches him off guard. He's not surprised by, you can't jump scare God. As my kids say, <laughs> you know, I don't know if your kids always, do. they're good. trying to That's jump good. scare me all the time. You know, they hide in closets. You know, we play a game every night when we go to bed. I don't know if your kids do this, but every night we go to bed, somebody goes down the hall and hides in the room and the other two people have to walk down the hall slowly. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good if your kids get scared and my, my kids are scared but they still like to do it and so we're walking down the hall slowly is he in the closet is he in the bathroom is he you know under the bed and uh they're trying to jump scare us god never gets jump scared in fact i will say this before we go on there are no accidents in the economy of god okay so what that means is this is not a surprise to God. It shouldn't be a surprise to us. So if God's right. sovereign, which he is, and yes. God's in charge, which he is, then God is allowing this to happen for a reason. And the faster we get on with that agenda and the faster we adopt that mentality, life begins to go a little easier for us. Okay, so let's That's look good. at the Good Samaritan okay. parable. Now, what's interesting about the Good Samaritan is nowhere in the parable is the Samaritan called good. Hmm. Is why is he the good samaritan then you mean uh in the passage itself it never uh jesus never refers to him as good no no we we call him good because he does he does a good deed yeah but what we're going to realize from this passage is what he does is just the normal christian life that's what every so this should, should be do. called the samaritan the Samaritan, yeah, or, or the normal Christian. The, no, the typical the normal disciple. That's right. Yeah, the normal disciple. That's okay, good. so here's what happens. So the story sh says, Jesus starts the story, and the reason he's telling the story is this guy's trying to determine if he will inherit eternal life. We're in Luke right. chapter 10, verse 25, and uh, he's trying to determine if, if he will inherit eternal life. And Jesus says, how do you interpret the law? He says, well, love God, love people. Jesus says, great, do that. But the guy was still probing. He wasn't, yeah. he wasn't satisfied with that answer. He wanted mm -hmm. something else. And Jesus knew that he was trying to justify himself. And so he asked the man, he asked Jesus, he said, uh, who's my neighbor? Mm. You know, love your neighbor as yourself. And so Jesus is going to tell a parable, okay? The parable is an unexpected situation. It's a disruption of someone's life. It's a coronavirus situation in a sense. It's something that uh, you didn't cause. Uh, you didn't have anything to do with uh, making it happen. And yet it's happened. So we're all we're right. all experiencing this situation together. And in this parable, three guys experience a disruption, okay? So the man is walking on a road from Jericho, from Jerusalem to Jericho. He's leaving Jerusalem, going down to Jericho, which is a key point of the passage, by the mm -hmm. way. Uh, they strip him, they beat him, and they leave him half dead, okay? So the first two guys that come on the scene, now you have to understand, 
Yeah. And, and let me teach you a little Hebraic culture because I think this is important for us to understand this parable. Remember, I love the Jewishness of Jesus and always it felt that that helps us bring the Bible into high definition right. and, or, or uh, living color, if you will. So uh, in the Jewish culture, they would always tell parables with three people or they'd always tell stories with three people. Uh, it'd be similar today if I would tell you a joke like this, a Baptist pastor, a Catholic priest, and an atheist go into a church. <laughs> now, I want to know how that joke ends. Yeah, I, 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 said that, I said that before, and somebody would say, what is that? You know, what is that joke? Don't they walk into a bar in typical joke? Well, it's not, yeah, it is a bar, but I'm trying to make it. <laughs> Are you, you trying know, to Christianize the typical joke? It's a family show. Setup. This is a family <laughs> show, yeah. So they walk into a church. Okay, so in, in their context in the first century, it was always a Levite, a priest, and a Pharisee mm. are going to do something. Okay. And the story or the paradigm of how this process works is always the same. The yes. priest never gets it right. The Levite always misses it. Right. And the Pharisee saves the day. It's always the same. You got to understand, we have this faulty view of Pharisees. I've, I've yep. taught on this extensively on Wednesday nights. And by the way, if you're interested in tuning in on Wednesday nights, I'm teaching uh, just a Bible study through the Bible, looking at the Jewishness of Jesus, uh, longhollow.com. You could find it slash live longhollow.com forward slash live six thirty on Wednesday night. And uh, you can join us for that, but, but it's always the same process. Okay. Yeah. And what we talked about there is that the Pharisees were not as hated as we believe them to be. You have to understand the reason Jesus is so hard on the Pharisees is because they are the closest to him in theology. Okay. And Jesus's heart. Now, do they, do they know the information? Yes. Are they acting out and living it right? No. And that's what Jesus questions them. So think of Jesus as a coach who is hard on his players to do better. You remember this, Chris, if you played sports or in the military, I'm sure you were, uh, and remember this, but you, there was that one guy that the coach just kind of rode the whole year. You know, he was always on him, always in his face, always criticizing. The sergeant was always yelling at this one guy, come on, you can do better, more push-ups, run faster. And the reason he was harder on him is because he knew that he could do better. Yeah, That's the way we need to understand how the Pharisees operate. We'll get back to how this plays out after our break. This brief break. Over the last few decades, American churches have produced plenty of converts, but not as many mature believers. Studies show the majority of Christians don't even understand the basics of faith. How do you tackle such a big problem? Uh, Pastor Robbie and I spent time together, thought through this process after a decade, more than a decade of implementation, research, actual practicing of ministry. We developed this book called Replicate. And what it does is it takes all of the components that, that we've implemented in small churches, medium churches, and even mega churches to create a culture of disciple making right where you are. But it's not just for church leaders. Every single disciple will be able to read and learn from this book how to make disciples and how to create a lifestyle and a culture of disciple making in his or her own life. You can find it and pre-order it now wherever books are sold, and it will come out on June 2nd, 2020, in just a few months.
And we're back. We're talking about, right now we've been talking about the Samaritan. We've been talking about, uh, notice I didn't say the good Samaritan, um, mm. even though I'm sure he, we could refer to him as a good Samaritan. The typical disciple is what I want to reframe uh, the title yeah, of this yeah. parable. And we're talking really about how um, we see these opportunities. You, you were mentioning how Jesus and the Pharisees were similar in their theology uh, but how Jesus was always taking them to task because they elevated their theology above their relationship with him. Yeah, they knew what to do. They just didn't do it. And they put so many fences around the law, they forgot what the law was. So they they know how this is going to play out, right? Mm. So Jesus says a, a priest comes and he missed it. You know, the holiest yeah. man in Israel, he has access to God. He knows the word of God. He's ministering before the people of God, he's offering sacrifices to God. He misses it, okay? Right. The second man comes on the scene, it's a, it's a Levite. And one of the things we have to realize about Levites and priests is this, is that in the first century, there was a distinction between fo- both of them. All priests were Levites, but not all Levites were priests, okay? And that's something to remember. So you had to be a Levite to be a priest, but not all Levites were more priests at the time. So surely this man is going to get it right. If the, if the main man missed it, maybe this guy will, will get it right. And he misses it. So at this point, they're expecting Jesus as normal to just introduce uh, the, this Pharisee to the, to, to the mix. And you got to realize what the first two did. And I don't want to spend a lot of time because we don't have a lot of time, but I want to share this. The reason the first two guys missed this distraction as a divine opportunity is because of self-absorption. They were only worried about themselves. They were too busy with their life. They were too busy with their agenda. They were too busy with their plans, their ministry, their goals, their successes. Yeah. And so what it says in the text is they passed on the other side. And in the Greek, that phrase there means anti-approaching or anti-near. It's an interesting phrase. It doesn't just mean, Chris, that they're neutral to the man. It doesn't just mean they're ambivalent to the man. It doesn't mean that they're uh, just, um, uh, you know, casually uh, approaching. It doesn't mean they're uh, preoccupied with themselves. Mm. It means they are against this man. Mm. They don't uh, appreciate this man. They are resisting this man. They are sick of this man. This is a lower class, another level uh, outcast kind of man. And the reason is, is because he's half dead and he's left for himself. And so they say, we don't want anything to do with this man. And that's kind of a harsh thing to think about, but this is the thing I want you to think about. We can be there as well. We can be so self-absorbed at times with our busyness that we miss the divine assignments all around us. One of the lessons God is teaching us, I think through this pandemic is the need to slow down. We live in such a a fast-paced life and we value busyness and people uh, pat us on the back for workaholism and we're always going and we're always doing. And I I think that's one of the hardest things for some of you listening right now is because you're so busy doing things all the time that you have a hard time just being before the Lord. And I just want to challenge you before we move on. Somebody needs to hear this. Mm -hmm. You need to slow down right? Don't, don't be in such a hurry to get through uh, the journey that you miss the lessons along the way. One of the things I want you to realize about how God works is success in the Christian life, mm-hmm. maturity in the Christian life does not come with reaching the destination of heaven. 
Maturity in the Christian life is the joy in the journey. That's yeah. where God works the best. That that's that's the goal. The goal is not. It's it's one of the only things in life where the goal is not the end. It's the journey getting there. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where God yeah. works the best. So God introduces someone to the mix that they weren't expecting. God says, all right, let me tell you, let me tell you how this thing plays out. And they're thinking, Jesus, I could finish this yeah. story for you. A priest, a Levite, and a Pharisee go into a church. Uh, the, the priest gets it wrong. The Pharisee uh, gets it right. And Jesus throws in the Samaritan. And what they do at that point is they start to look around and say, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, Jesus, we know you're new to these parts and, you know, you've only kind of been on the scene for a little while, but uh, you can't do that. This is not how the story ends, Jesus. We don't talk to those people. In fact, there is no way we're going to even help those people, the Samaritans, much less let them help us. They're they're our arch enemy. There's no way we're going to let these people help us. And Jesus introduces this Samaritan, which they hated. Now, the reason they hated the Samaritan is because the Samaritan was half Jew, half Gentile. Okay, so they intermarried, and so they were against these people. And what it shows us is this. Jesus is showing us that the ministry that we're looking for is the distraction, Mm -hmm. right? And that changes everything. Why? Because now we start to see that being behind a slow person at Publix or Kroger Mm -hmm. supermarket may be what God wants to show us, right? Where that is the lesson, or maybe the telemarketer who calls, or maybe the man begging by the roadside, or maybe the family member in crisis, or maybe the neighbor that calls and knocks on the door. And, and, and that or is maybe, what we're... maybe being stuck at home and, and having to reconfigure how you minister in the first place. Yeah. Okay. Here's what I want to show before we finish. And this is so cool. There are three different people in the parable that represent three different mentalities. I want you to see this. The first set of people or the first group is the robbers. The robbers took the man's possessions and they said, here's what they said. What is yours is mine. Hmm. Your possessions are mine. So they took them. And what that is, is illegal. Okay, it's illegal. A stealing. A stealing, right. The (laughs) priest and the Levite come along and what they say is, what's mine is mine. I work for this. I'm busy. I have a ministry. Uh, I've got things to do. What's mine is mine. And what Mm. that's called is selfish. Mm. But the Samaritan shows us something interesting. What he says is what's mine is yours. He viewed his belongings as a means for the recovery of this man. And this is what I want to show you. That is Christianity. This is what it means to be a disciple of Christ, to live with that kind of mindset. So here's what I want to leave you with. We want to challenge you to partake of what we're calling the Good Samaritan Challenge. Okay. Mm. See, the parable teaches us a few things, but one of the main things we see here is this, and I want you to get this. God expects us as disciples of Christ to fix problems we didn't cause. Think about that. Pretty strong. God expects us to fix problems we didn't cause. But that's not well, my fault. Yeah, I didn't do, I didn't do that. Not my fault. I didn't make this mess. I didn't cause this virus. I didn't do this thing. And aren't you glad Jesus did that for us, right? I'm so grateful when he went to the garden, he didn't say, that's not my sin, Dad. I didn't do that. Or when he was hanging from the cross, he didn't say, hey, take me down from here. It's not my problem. It's theirs. Jesus fixed a problem he didn't cause, and it cost him his life. 
And so here's what I want to teach you and, and we'll be done. This is the motto we, we live by in our missions department. Okay. Here's the, here's the saying, and you can write it down. A need plus awareness equals responsibility. That's good. You got that, Chris? I do. Say it again. <laughs> it's very good. A need, a need plus awareness equals responsibility. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Or let me say it another way. Somebody said this, a need seen is an assignment given by God. Mm. So if what I'm saying is if you see a need and you're aware of the need, then you have a responsibility as a Christian disciple of Christ mm. to meet that need. You know, when people come to me all the time and they say, pastor, I got this great idea. Why don't we go serve this group downtown? Why don't we minister to the bikers who are down in the community? Why don't we serve food to people who are homeless under a bridge? Why don't we start a school for the deaf or help people uh, in the church? And what I always say to them is this, that's a great idea. Thanks for, for recognizing that. If you have the vision, then you need to lead the mission. Hmm. If God has given you a vision for something, you lead the mission. Here's the info, Chris. Let's give them the website they can go to. We've put together a website with a bunch of different um, ways you can be a part of this Good Samaritan Challenge. And you can actually do it from home. You could do it in your community. You don't have right. to go out to a large group. Yeah, just go to longhollow.online and click on the help button, or you can go to longhollow.online slash help. Longhollow.online slash help and there's several opportunities to help obviously but then there's some also some suggestions on how you can help in this day in this time it's really been difficult to define what does help look like when you can't really interact with people so there's some suggestions there and there's some ways you can do that and some ways you can help obviously uh, as always thanks for connecting with us on the podcast if you don't mind take out your phone right now text this podcast to someone and tell them to take a listen if you enjoy it uh, as always, rate it wherever you get your podcasts and let us know what you think. We appreciate you. One insight. You. One, it, insight. It, one insight. An additional Longhollow.com forward slash help. I think that's what it is. Is that it's right? A, it's, I don't it's, think you need online. It's just longhollow.com forward slash help. Yeah, you can do either one. Longhollow.online slash help or longhollow.com slash help. Yeah, either um, one. It's going to take you either time. It's going to take you to the correct location. Yes. Uh, whichever one you would like. But thank you for that insight. <laughs> you don't want to be confusing. Either um, uh, it, we will, uh, we'll, we'll look forward to seeing you and or talking to you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.